Welcome to Listen by Jean Ginsberg. This audio experience and podcast is all about social media, digital marketing, entrepreneurship, and interviews with top entrepreneurs in the digital and social space. I'm your host, Jean Ginsberg, digital marketing expert, number one best-selling author, and award-winning entrepreneur. I will be sharing with you strategies, tips, and tactics on how to grow your business and your social media following. Thanks for listening. Gene Ginsberg here and welcome to another episode of Listen by Gene Ginsberg and very excited today. Uh, someone that I, we've been trying to get on the podcast for a long time so I'm very grateful that you're, that Tom is here, Tom Katie, and say hello. Hi everyone, thank you for having me Gene. Really excited awesome. to be speaking with you today. Yes, I'm very uh, I'm thrilled for you to be here. Um, and you said you've listened to a couple of our podcasts so you kind of know how this goes. So my first question always is to kind of give our audience some context is tell us about your background. Absolutely. So I started off my career in financial services, doing a lot of valuation and transaction advisory. I, I found it to be as exciting as it sounds, was looking to join a uh, earlier stage tech company somewhere where I could have more end to end control over a lot of the decision making and uh, the future prospects of the company. So around six years ago, I joined Wonderkind, which is based out of New York. I think I was employee number 115 or so, and we've now grown to over 750 employees. Wow, that's very exciting. So lots of growth and lots to unpack there. But before we get into how you guys were able to grow so quickly, uh, tell us about the company first. So we get, we get our audience of context as well there. Yeah, I also realized I didn't say anything about what I do. So I am the chief financial officer, and I started off working on the operations team. And really what my original role was to bring a lot of quantitative analysis to things that people already inherently know to be true. There's a lot of people that have good ideas on, hey, this is an opportunity. This is a challenge that we're going to face. And so what I was originally brought into is to bring in that quantitative analysis aspect of it to help everyone speak the same language. And so what Wonderkin does is we are a MarTech company that focuses on personalization at scale and specifically in delivering highly tailored, highly personalized one-to-one -one marketing communications. And we do that through both email and text channels. Awesome. So tell us about how that personalization works because there's definitely been a lot of talk about personalization marketing. That's a big, big topic these days, of course, right? Because, you know, when marketing kind of started, it was just all very generic stuff. And now we're, of course, beginning a little bit more um, educated. And then it gets the technology is getting more complex and more um i guess more in the line of where we want to be more personalization so how does your platform create these personalized campaigns yeah so personalization has been a major focus for every ceo cmo every entrepreneur uh every martech company candidly and really i think the piece that's been missing is personalization at scale how can you deliver that experience to a larger portion of your overall audience and so what underpins all of Wonderkin's technology is our ability to better recognize the traffic that's on your website. So if you're able to recognize someone when they're on your website, all of that browse information, you have so much of your traffic is on your website. They're at different stages of their buying journey. The products that they're interacting with are very different. And so if you can better understand that and tie that back to a user, you're able to more effectively communicate with them with more personalized messages. Something that we see is that 95% plus of communications that go out via email and now something that's happening via text are all broadcast messages. It's the same message that right. goes to everyone and they don't perform 
nearly as highly as when you can actually personalize those messages. So brands are at the helm of having to send multiple messages a day. And I think everyone has, I personally have a, uh, my personal email has like 13,000 unread messages. And a lot of that is what we're trying to uh, steer people away from. So if you can better understand people and what they're actually interested in, you're able to send more effective and meaningful marketing communications. And so you're able to really maximize the performance of that channel. I think I can beat you there. I think I have a hundred thousand in my, like what I call my spam Gmail account, which is that's impressive. I, that might be the highest, <laughs> that might be a new record. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've had this account for, uh, for like 15 years though. And that was always like, it was always for that particular reason. Um, also when I first started in marketing, like 15 years ago, I used to do a lot of marketing communications. And so I used to do, that was like my test account for sending mm -hmm. out test emails. Um, Cause that, that was my job for like a two year for the first two years of like my marketing career. So, um, so it has a lot of, it has a lot of email in it. So how do you accomplish that from like, I guess um, a data perspective, like so how are you pulling in that data? And also how are you doing it from a execution perspective, right? So like, does that mean that like five groups of people in your email um, list will get five different messages or is it based on actually specifically to each specific person like Gene and Tom or how does that work? Yeah, so everything we focus in on is, is actually a one-to-one -one communication. So okay. the message that you would receive would be different than a message that anyone else would receive and it would be based on what products and your actual time that you spent on the website. So what we focused on initially was uh, both generating opt-ins and permissions to sign up for marketing communications. And so the first thing that we want to do and what's becoming more important than ever is to make sure that everything we're doing is consent-based. And then the other piece of that is then having identity resolution technology to better recognize users when they return to the site and then use that information and the browsing behavior and really what we call that digital body language uh, people are demonstrating on your site and use that to power more meaningful messages. And what we focus on is what are the messages that as a consumer, you really enjoy receiving? Right. I think something that everyone loves to receive is a price drop message or maybe it's a, a back in stock message. So I'm on a website. I'm looking at a jacket. That jacket is out of stock in my size. What I want to know is if I'm showing a high level of intent on that item, when it does come back in size, I'd love to see that message come into my inbox. Hey, that jacket that you're interested in, even if it's three months later, is now back in stock in your size. And so it's a good opportunity to get me back on the website uh, and it creates a better shopping experience for the consumer. Gotcha. Um, and so you're only using this, it sounds like for email and text. Um, what about like serving up banner ads on a website or just anywhere in the ecosystem? Yeah. So we also have advertising technology, but we really focus on brand advertising at the moment and really creating high impact ads that don't disrupt the user experience. Again, it's, it's funny because even the word advertising, you just talk to someone who's not operating in marketing, it's almost like a, a bad word. It'll feel like cringe, oh, I hate ads. Uh, it's not true, you hate like bad ad experiences, right? right? The reason why you hate ads is it disrupts your view if you're digesting content, for example. But if you're mindful about when you create an ad unit and you make it something that feels native to the website and is actually a pleasant experience, you really find that you don't mind the advertisements themselves. And even if you look at platforms, like Facebook and Instagram, 
uh, they create amazing advertising experiences. And it's a way that people discover new products. And when advertising works, it's actually to the benefit of the consumer versus what we're used to, which is going into some publication and you're just berated with 50 different ads that cause a bunch of lag on the page and right in the middle of the content. Um, and so if you focus again on just creating a better experience on when those experiences are actually launched, it's something that done right it's only to the benefit of a shopping experience and it doesn't have to detract from that. Um, cool. And then the other question I had that I, I think I wanted to get a little bit of clarity on, and I guess maybe the audience too, is like, how are these um, generated? Because like, is it just an AI system that generates specific message to you that says, hey, this product is back in stock or is it more templated? Or yeah, how to, maybe you can explain a little bit about how that works. Yeah, it will be a combination of both. So okay. a lot of the messages that we'll set up will be centered around some series of events, right? So again, I'll use that back in stock uh, message. So what will happen is a product goes out of stock. We'll see that in the product feed. Whenever that product goes back in stock, then it's like, okay, who is everyone that was showing high levels of intent on a specific product? Great, this may be a good opportunity to send them all a marketing communication uh, that this product is back in stock. So there'll be a template that has dynamic variables that populate the actual product. The link takes you right to the product page, not some homepage or something uh, that's irrelevant to that user. And so from that perspective, it'll be templatized, but we also have AI machine learning modules that help you discover new products. So that jacket that you're looking at, uh, say that there is a new item release and there's new inventory and there are similar items and there's new jackets. And so who should those new jackets uh, be communicated to, to what users, right? So using AI and ML to identify what products is this new product similar to, and then using that to also power one-to-one -one email communications. And so it's it just, let me correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like right now it's kind of based on retargeting, right? So if somebody looked at an item or like looked at a code or a pair of shoes or something like that, and that's how the personalization is being generated. What about like, and maybe that's something in the works now, like what about more complex personalization that actually, uh, you know, maybe not just specifically a, a retargeting campaign, like where you're talking about a specific code, but like more about broader personalization, but uh, a, not in the sense of broader, but like, or I guess intent driven, you know, in a broader sense. I don't know if you're working on that kind of, so I guess more complex personalization, I guess is the question. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of it too is looking at propensity to buy, right? Yes. Or where, especially what we see is for items that you're having a hard time uh, selling through, right? You never want to put something on clearance or have to discount it to clear out that inventory. But what we can help our customers and brands do is identify what users are most likely to interact with this item. And maybe that's a good opportunity uh, to first message people about this product they may not know exists before you do something like, hey, this thing isn't moving. Let's just put it into clearance. Gotcha. Um, and then one of the questions I always like to ask is, you know, what's on uh, in the future for Wonderkind? Is are you guys looking at again more complex personalization, or what's in the works for uh, new initiatives? Yeah, it's such an exciting time. I think not just for our company, but the space in general. I think, you know, there's it's almost you've heard omni-channel so many times, you've heard right. personalization so many times that they almost become meaningless. But I think there's a lot of companies that are working on interesting technologies that really bring that 
closer to the forefront. So what does it actually mean to be on omnichannel and like not just even digital, but what does that mean for an in-store presence? Um, and I think taking those elements and also the idea of personalization in general and how do you get more specific in identifying what are people identifying and, and resonating with and how can you better communicate with them to maximize the efficacy uh, of those communication channels? So a lot of the things that we're working on is, you know, from our perspective, we're channel agnostic. Once we decide what message we should send to what person at what time, whether that be delivered via an email or a text or an onsite experience or a WhatsApp message or Facebook messenger, uh, we're agnostic. It shouldn't matter to us. We just want to be where our customers' customers are and where those consumers prefer to be interacted with. Right. Um, and then are you guys, besides just um, data from websites and it sounds like retargeting data, are you using any other third-party data to for purchase intent? We're not using any third-party data. So everything is based in a first-party context and how individual users are actually interacting uh, with your website and those experiences. Gotcha. And then are most of the clients that, you're trying, or that you have, are they mostly e-commerce sounds like? They are. So okay. at its core, we're able to add a lot of value for anyone who's transacting online, right? So right. whether that be a cable provider or a D2C brand, uh, it doesn't matter to us, but we've historically focused on your traditional e-commerce retail. Right. Awesome. And so you mentioned that you, you were employee number 101, and now you guys have 750. Sounds like you've had a really big growth spike. So uh, do you want to share a little bit about that? Is it just, uh, has it anything to do related to COVID in the sense like everyone's online, so your business um, grew significantly? I mean, I've heard a lot of that when it comes to e-commerce growing so much during the last couple of years. Yeah, it's funny. I recently participated in an investor conference and, you know, everyone likes to think that their pitch is super unique. And I quickly found out that, everyone benefited from COVID and the digital transformation that was in tune. Um, I think it's a culmination of a lot of factors. I think the consumer expectations are just changing, right? Every brand is under immense pressure to create better, more personalized experiences online. And not only is there a tremendous revenue opportunity for the brands that are able to successfully scale personalization, but it's something that consumers do expect. And as consumers, we spend so much of our time in platforms like Amazon and YouTube and Netflix, that deliver tailored experiences to us that it's evolved our expectation for every brand we interact with. So if I'm on nike.com, for example, and I'm looking at pairs of shoes, I expect to only receive communications on things that I'm interested in. And I think that fact that consumers are holding brands to creating those better experiences has really benefited our company because it's always been a core to what we do. We've always focused in on uh, how do you create those more personalized, better experiences online. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can definitely speak to even our own industry, uh, our own, well, our industry, the digital marketing industry, but also just our business that um, it seems that, yeah, e-commerce, anything related to digital or digital transformation has definitely, I mean, Jeff Bezos did really well during this time, right? <laughs> and so there are definitely uh, some winners in this space. And unfortunately, you know, not, not everyone uh, came down through that path, but um but it's good to hear that you guys are doing really well. And it sounds like bringing out a lot of cl uh, clients, I'm assuming is probably the growth uh, spurt that you experienced. Yeah, it's it's been amazing to see how it's all come to fruition. It's something that's always been the focus since we started in 2012. 
And I feel like a lot of the early decisions and investments that we made are now starting to really pay off. That's awesome. That's, that's very cool. Um, great. And so uh, we're kind of coming to the end of our interview. The last question that I always like to ask our audience, um, our guests is uh, kind of a wild card question. So um, what is your prediction for the industry? That could be specifically for this industry, or it could be terraforming Mars. It could be robots. It could be going to space. I mean, anything that's top of mind, living to be 100, you know, 200 years old, whatever that might be. Yeah, I, I love the question. I think it's a really fun one. And I, I think it's something that everyone should challenge themselves more, think about like what's going to happen, you know, 10 plus years out. I think what you'll see is a continuation of some trends that are already starting to happen. I think personally, after the Great Depression, it makes sense on how that's changed our economy because people wanted more things, and they wanted cheaper things. And to that extent, we've actually changed our economy pretty dramatically in order to deliver more cheaper. And I think what's happening now, and especially with younger generations, is there's a reversion to quality and people identifying with brands. And I will pay a premium for a product that I view as superior, a brand that I view as superior. And so I think what you'll start seeing is that in the long run, the brands that win out are the ones that have great brand stories and great products and services. There's more brands are being created than ever. And so to have that differentiation, it's not just on, hey, we have this offering, we have it for cheaper, it's easier to get. I think a lot of that is creating experiences that people identify with and creating products and services that are farly superior. I think one of the most impressive companies in my mind is you look at a company like Yeti. And if you told me 10 years ago that people would be buying coolers for two, three hundred dollars and it would be a brand experience. I tell you, you were crazy. It seems like an undifferentiated product, but they've proven out that if you build superior products and services and you build a great brand behind that, that people subscribe to that. And that's something that really is the future of having a successful brand. So I think the my big prediction there is you're going to see a huge shift away from I can get everything and I can get it for cheaper to, I really like this curated specific thing. And I really identify with this brand. And I think that's how the, at least my, our space will definitely shift in the future. Yeah, that's so true. So uh, I live in Denver and uh, just a mile from our house um, is uh, ch in Cherry Creek. It's like a neighborhood with a bunch of shops and everything. It's a Yeti store. And not only is it just like a bunch of coolers there, but they also even have like a beer garden. And like you can hang out and like buy beer there. And like they have a little patio. So it's like, yeah, it's a, definitely more of an experience than just like buy a cooler. <laughs> and that's so important. It's I think at first too, everyone thought that like, brick and mortar is dead. And I, I think it's actually brick and mortar is just going to evolve. It's going to go from just like a store with shelves and things that you grab to more of an experiential thing. Right? People want to visit stores and a lot of your online and digital marketing is going to bring in more foot traffic, but they want that experience. They want to go interact with something that's more than just the products on the shelf, right? Maybe it's right. a beer garden, maybe it's a community. I think, I imagine a lot of the outdoor uh, brands have something similar where you actually enjoy going to that store and you enjoy shopping there. And it's something that you just can't replicate online. Like an REI, right? Like they've done a really good job with brand and like having experiences and events at the store. Like I actually have a friend who is 
I uh, used to be an event coordinator at the REI here in Denver, the flagship store here. And like, yeah, I mean, like, they, they bring a lot of people into the store just by having these like interesting outdoorsy events um, that just have a following. Like they have like one, a year ago, they had like a conversion fan, a fan event. So like, where they talked about like, how do you make your van into like, you know, a conversion van where you can sleep and things like that, or like sprinter vans and things like that. So yeah, it was kind of interesting to hear that and how, you know, REI can be uh, a, a conduit, right? To, or products that REI sells can be a conduit to having a conversion van. So. I love that. I, I think yeah. that's so fun. And just, again, it's a great shopping experience. It's right. uh I, and I'm sure it goes very well with their customers. Like, you know, your customers and what they're interested in and you create opportunities to connect more of those people. So I, I think it's wonderful. Yeah. So I totally agree with you that like, it's going to be less from a general store to now like a more of an experiential experience where it's like specific brand, but it has a specific experience behind it and not just like, you know, here is uh, a widget, let's buy it at the department store, uh, <laughs> which is, I guess why department stores and malls have kind of been going down, but like, Places like Yeti uh, or REI have been on the up and up. So yeah, I totally agree. Uh, interesting, you know, everyone has a different, actually if you've listened to any of the podcasts that you said you have, like you can kind of tell how like people take this question into a different direction, depending <laughs> on like, a lot of them talk about their own industry and what they think is gonna happen. But like some, like one person was talking all about like the, the big changes going on uh, in the future for uh, self-driving cars, how like that's gonna change not just like the self-driving cars, but uh, but how like by jobs, right? Like people were not gonna, all of the Uber drivers and all of the, you know, all of the truck drivers that have jobs now, what that's gonna look like in five to 10 years when there's gonna be self-driving cars. So yeah, different people took that into different directions. <laughs> so, yeah, I love it. That's why I love how you keep it open-ended. Uh, yeah. and <laughs> I could go off on a whole nother tirade on, on self-driving cars and how that changes things too. So yeah. I, I think it's great. Absolutely, um, awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. This was great, Tom Keating. Um, I loved hearing your story, the company story, and what you guys are doing. And I mean, I love Martech. Uh, that's just one of my uh, passions. And uh, so thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, and sorry, last question I just forgot is how can our audience get in touch with you or the company? Yeah, the best way is you can reach me on LinkedIn. So Tom Keating, and you can find our company at wonderkin.co. I think we're doing a lot of fun and exciting things. So you should definitely come check out the website. If you're in New York City, we have an amazing office in One World Trade. And if you're passionate about marketing, we certainly have 750 people who are passionate about marketing too. And we could talk about it all day. So please reach out. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. This is great. All right. Thank you for having me, Gene.